everybody, this is Paolo from 100 Conferences. Welcome to our free session of 100 Conferences podcast with 3TS this year. Today's discussion will be about building and managing distributed technology teams. The session will be moderated by Elbrus Yilmaz, Investment Director at 3TS Capital Partners, and our guest is Andy Schaefer, CTO at Antelo. Elbrus, mic is yours now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, the first episode of Zero 100 Conferences 3TS uh, podcast series. Um, uh, today, I have the pleasure of talking to uh, a good friend, uh, Andy Schaefer, uh, CTO of Antelo, uh, one of the leading uh, HR tech uh, companies globally. Um, uh, Andy, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Great. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you with us. So today, um, Andy, uh, what we wanted to do was to talk to you about um, uh, distributed technology teams, uh, how to build them, manage them, and grow them over time. Uh, but before we dive in, um, could you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and introduce Intello to our listeners, Andy? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I have been with uh, Intello uh, via acquisition for a little over three years. Um, we were with the company, I was with the company Convey IQ until the acquisition by Intello about six months ago, uh, became the CTO of Intello. What uh, Intello and Convey IQ do is we have a product that sources, uh, helps recruiters source candidates out in the market, find those that match their criteria, what they're looking for to fill certain positions, um, and gives, provides insights and analysis on those candidates and things that, that you know, skills that they may have that aren't on the resume, uh, the likelihood of certain uh, of job moves, job stay, what type of position they might be looking for given history. Um, so it does a lot of machine learning and analytics on, on each candidate that, uh, that, that a recruiter might be looking at. Uh, and then Convey IQ sort of takes it from there. So a, um, a recruiter would pass on the candidate into the Convey IQ system, and Convey IQ would then engage the candidate and provide recruiting automation through the entire process to either hiring or rejection. The goal we have is an end-to-end solution that takes a lot of the labor-intensive activities uh, and things that are more difficult for recruiters to stay on top of uh, and lets them focus on the actual finding the right candidates and getting them into the organizations uh, that, they, that they represent. Great, great. Thanks for that background. Obviously, uh, I know a little bit more about Antelo and Convey IQ. Uh, we were lucky investors in Convey IQ and then now with Antelo um, and uh, really enjoying the journey. And uh, thanks again, Andy, for uh, taking us through uh, thus far and um, uh, getting us uh, you know, into a very good position. So maybe, Andy, uh, taking a step back um, for our listeners to understand uh, based on the subject that we are discussing today, um, could you also tell us a little bit about your current tech team setup? Uh, I know you're working in different locations, but could you tell us number of team members, uh, distribution to different locations, uh, and overall um, you know, background on that? Sure. Um, we actually are in three locations right now, um, and teams in San Francisco, uh, New York, and Serbia. And um, we, we got there as, as Convey IQ. Uh, a decision was made early on to um, mix the teams between New York and Serbia. And uh, we founded a team in Serbia. Uh, it's grown from, you know, obviously a small handful. It was, uh, you know, it sort of stabilized around eight. And now um, through the years and where we've gone, it's about 23 right now uh, in Serbia. 
which and that's a combination of we have engineers there, we have architecture, we have QA, uh, we have operations, and, and even starting to onboard support um, in in Serbia. Uh, New York, we have a couple here. Our product team, uh, at least half the product team is here in New York, uh, as well as a couple engineers uh, here. And then with San Francisco, and when we merge with uh, Intello, there's a team there that's a mix of engineering and data science. Uh, it's around six right now in size. So you're working in three different time zones, uh, two different time zones in the US, and then also Serbia. Uh, being a little bit ahead of you in terms of uh, uh, daytime, but isn't it a little bit challenging, uh, Andy, to manage uh, teams in three different locations, three different time zones? And uh, what are some challenges that you have been observing, uh, if any? It provides challenges with sometimes with cross communication, um, and uh, that's obviously in, you know an ongoing thing that people think about. Um, but we've we've done a lot to help with the communication, the tools, and the process that we execute. I'll say one of the important things with with multiple locations is what what's the level of overlap that you have with the team. And so, what is nice about Serbia and New York is that the you know half the day overlaps. So when it's earlier in the day in New York, it's it's the latter half of the day in Serbia, and so that that offers an opportunity. In the morning here in New York, we can get a lot of the work done we need with collaboration and communication. And then in the latter half of the day, we can focus on things that we need need to get done in terms of you know, heads down that may not require Serbia. So work that maybe maybe coordination amongst the product team, working with customers, working with the rest of the organization. Uh, that that segregation actually has been really nice because it helps organize the day. Mornings, Serbia time, working with the team there, getting them prepared uh, for the next day learning what they've been working on. Second half of the day is us preparing for the next day, working with the rest of the business. It works well. San Francisco is just the opposite between, between New York and San Francisco because um, of the time zone differences there. In the afternoon, I can spend now time you know, with, with the acquisition. I can spend time with that San Francisco in the afternoon, more mornings with Serbia. So again, it helps segregate the day. It has been a challenge between San Francisco and Serbia because of the time difference there. They're, they're almost opposite. We've found a few, you know, an out, a couple hours of sweet spot uh, uh, that are sweet spot earlier, much earlier in the day in San Francisco, into the day in Serbia to make sure they overlap. But that has affected how we've thought about projects and how how teams are going to merge together uh, in consideration because you you know, you you do want there to be some overlap in teams when you're thinking about offshore teams and you're thinking about uh, you know the onshore representation. Um, or an offshore, or, or even different time zones, depending on how the organization is structured. And I think, um, I remember from uh, Convey IQ days, uh, before the acquisition, um, you were traveling to Serbia quite a bit, and um, has that kind of also uh, provided an extra challenge for you, traveling between three different locations as a CTO now, and how, how are you managing that? Yeah, it, it initially there was a lot of time that needed to spend. When, when, you're, when you're getting a team up to speed, uh, you need you need to work with them so that you can build a relationship uh, that you can install the approaches and processes that you want in, in the culture as well. So more time is is important. Over as that's evolved uh, and things have gotten more established, I've gotten the right people in place that I trust that trust me that we have a relationship with in Serbia. The time there hasn't become as necessary, or or it's been easier easier when I've when I've gone because it's often a review of how things are going. And uh, obviously, with other sources of communication and technology, 
we stay in touch. I'm, I'm talking to most of the folks there in Serbia, and this is across the entire team, hear from me at least once a month, um, and, you know, developers, but uh, one on, when I say one-on-one, hear from me. Uh, they hear from me all the time just in terms of group communications and things like that. The leadership there, we're talking weekly. Um, so we've established a good rapport, a good way of operating. My time there, you know, I can now go once uh, every every few months and everything is uh, working pretty smoothly. And then maybe uh, on going back to tools and tactics that you employ managing the team in different locations, uh, could you take us through uh, some of the tools and sessions that you use to, you know, ensure effective communication between team members and different departments? And what are some, you know, um, secret tactics that you you might be employing? Uh, so some of the listeners uh, who are in the uh, distributed tech teams could maybe utilize. I think communication is usually the biggest thing that that hurts um, hurts teams that are collaborating across locations. And when what we've done is recognize that first and foremost. Uh, and putting in several tools that will help with that process. Uh, one that gets used very extensively is Slack. Um, so we're, we're communicating across uh, that tool, um, you know, pretty, pretty extensive and, and, and applies to uh, all, all areas of the organization. And we use that, we use that both to um, one-on-one communications direct, just, just to touch base. It, it, it facilitates it's a lot easier than picking up the phone and establishing a call if you just need a quick, quick set of communication. But we also do it to broadcast communication. So we have more general channels and we have channels that are dedicated to certain functions or certain teams that, that allow for us to decide is this you know, direct or is this something that everyone should hear and it ensures more readability. I think sometimes being in the same office, if you use that, it can become overwhelming with the amount of communication. So I know some, some, you know, some people are concerned about uh, hits to productivity and impact there, uh, which are valid concerns. But when you have teams in different locations, it become because it, it reduces the amount of traffic, the communication becomes more essential and more focused, and the, and it works quite well. Uh, that's one tool we use. Um, another tool we use we use Jira a lot in our case, but there's obviously an, an Asana uh, with um, Intello. They they had used that product, but both of them. Uh, sort of similar functions, and that's that's how we track work. So things that come in, issues that come in, they go into these tools. Uh, the uh, work that the development team needs needs to do goes into there. The product team is very engaged with that. Engineers are very engaged on that side. The, the, that helps organize information and and most importantly prioritize it in terms of what needs to get done. And then we can communicate within the context of work items that are within Jurasana to identify, hey, you know, clarify this design, clarify this functional piece, or what are the steps to reproduce this issue, and so on. So um, those are the main tools that we use across communication. Now we do have certain meetings that we set up regularly as well. We have daily stand-ups, which is obviously a very common uh, practice in Scrum. We do those across, across the organization. So folks from all different three time zones join relevant um, stand-ups to talk through and review what, are you, what have you been doing for the day or what are you going to do to, to do for the day, depending on time zone? It gives context to what people are working on. And that's, that's been helpful to me, especially because with, with now a larger team you know, in different areas, we've got two different products in different areas of the product. It keeps me up to date on where people are and what their current status is uh, and, and then what, what things may be relevant to what they're working on. 
And if, you know, I'm tracking different activities across the organization. So if I, if I see that, oh, there may be some potential things that we need to consider there, I can, I can jump in accordingly. And um, if they raise problems, I can obviously respond. And, and, and I'm alert to what, what's happening without having to micromanage every little thing that, 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 that's going on. Most of the times what people are talking about, um, you know, we're pretty aware of and know where we're, what's, what's happening there. Um, but it does cue you in to, to new things that may, may be occurring or may need attention from certain people. We, we also, we do some other things to stay, stay in touch too. We have design reviews. Uh, some of these, some of these depend on uh, what, what the product is that an organization is working on and what the different roles are people, people are because design is important to us. And we found we've got a lot of feedback from different people in the organization. We decided that, hey, we need to make a more inclusive discussion um, that we go through designs uh, and review those. We do, we have, we call them pre-grooming and grooming meetings with people. That's where we, we were in the, in the early design phase and determination of product. We'll bring in engineers, mostly on the senior side, to give feedback to the design and product teams to coordinate those. Then grooming is a practice where we've decided what we want to build and what we want to do. And now we need the, in, the core engineering team that's going to work on this to get engaged and start talking about how they're going to build, build things. There's, you know, so, so that, that, that tools to track things, tools to provide more on-demand communication, and then regular meetings um, in order to ensure uh, that we, we discuss certain topics and planned it especially when they're larger in nature, it might require more coordination with more people are regularly scheduled uh, so that, that we attend to those things. That's, that is overall work, work really well for us. Um, so thanks for that response, Andy. Um, but when it comes to, I think, managing different teams in different locations, I think some organizations are much more prepared uh, culturally uh, than some others. And what I want to uh, talk about right now is switching gears to this what are some of the advantages that you have seen by having a distributed technology team and uh, what are some of the cultural components that benefit the organization from this? Yes, yeah, so, uh, there are quite a bit. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think when people think of distributed teams, you know, one, one of the things that comes up first is cost. And there, there's no doubt that there's, there's a lot of advantages that when the cost of living is lower in areas where the uh, different areas from where the company's um, primary location or headquarters may be located, uh, you can't dispute the value that you're going to get, you're going to get from, um, from a team like that. And you have to evaluate, you know, what, what's the advantages of those that, that are local uh, in, in terms usually of proximity and, and communication within the organization uh, and those that may be remote um, that may have, have a low, lower cost point um, and what value that might be able to bring to the organization. We, um, I, I think other things that we have seen um, that have, have really added a lot of value is that when you have a, rem a distributed team or remote team in particular, and, I, and I'll emphasize the team part of that um, because I think it works best when everyone's in a, in a, in a single office or, or in the same area uh, in terms of communication, they develop a rapport around what, what they're trying to achieve. So in case of our engineering team, we have an office in Serbia that's really focused on the technical development side of things, and they've developed a culture that's very technically focused um, for that. This insulates them a lot of times from the noise that happens within the organization. Um, and I think some people could see that as an advantage, disadvantage, but when you have, you know, 
a, a distributed team and maybe folks that are in one area that, that are more focused on that. So you may have engineers that are more local or in the office um, where the headquarters is that are more responsive to the needs of, of the rest of the organization, sales, and customer success, and so on. Uh, and you have a team that's more focused on the implementation, the execution, the building of the product, but that has more of a long-term focus. That installation can help because they're they're not they're not being bothered. They're not they're not seeing the other the other parts of the organization that maybe 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 distracting. Um, and mm -hmm. so that that focus has helped us through the years um, when we can look at the engineering team as reliable. Um, they they know what they need to do. Uh, their the execution has been phenomenal, um, and the results have been what we've asked for in terms of. Of, of product vision, achieving product vision and getting getting where we need to. And I think that advantage um, works really well. As I, as I mentioned earlier, the time zones can also provide organization to the day, right? you know, the, the time that is focused on the engineering aspects of the organization and the needs there and later in the day can be focused more on um, commercial parts of the business and what they need. It helps divide your time to give attention properly to different parts, at least from an engineering leadership someone someone in my role role standpoint yeah. um, the you know every area in the you know and you can say this within the United States but certainly in different countries um, the, you know, there, the 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 this the overall environment and the culture of, of, of the country or, or the area um, is different um, and I found particularly in Serbia uh, there's very much a focus on the intellectual pursuit um, and um, and how deeply they understand engineering and how how to um, understanding how they can help the rest of the team, and I, you know, I found working, you know, throughout my career that different countries have sort of different views on that, and will work different with different organizations. Um, and so that that focus that the team has had uh, has also helped helped us, you know, maintain the level of uh, execution that that we wanted to have. I think I also share uh, some of these advantages in other portfolio companies and other companies that we have come across in uh, in Western Europe or U.S. Um, having a, a tech team in Central Eastern Europe provides certain advantages, cost benefits, cultural benefits, focus, etc. But also um, it, it requires some stamina uh, in terms of being able to uh, manage an organization, you know, uh, in, in many different locations. So um, one question that, you know, I wanted to ask you, Andy, is looking back uh, from the time starting with Combay until now, with Antelo, now you have, a, you have three offices and a larger tech team. As a CTO, uh, did you have to change your management style when it comes to managing this distributed team? Um, and what lessons have you learned in your experience? Like what are some do's and don'ts in your opinion as a CTO? Um, we talked about, you know, you, you touched upon it, like not micromanaging the teams, but also uh, making sure that they are uh, constantly in touch. But did you have to also change your style a little bit? Uh, obviously, you're traveling more probably. Uh, but what else did you have to change about your management style? I can speak to, you know, I think some of the management needs. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say as much. I changed, but but I but I came from sort of that 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 background uh, and that awareness. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly adapted to the needs of, of, of what were there. And then there's obviously constraints that, that you have to handle and, and work with. I, I think, you know, one of, one of the things um, that was important to me coming in uh, and, and with distributed teams 
is where the leadership is located. And I think when organizations have a very top-down or very uh, centralized uh, leadership style within, within engineering, that does not work as well. And what you often find with organizations that are using uh, distributed teams is that you'll have like you'll, you'll have the management of senior leadership all in one location, uh, and they believe their job is to make decisions on the architecture and the standards and the different tools and components that are going to be used, and go and tell the other team, "Here's what you should do and build." And I found that doesn't work very well. It doesn't work because it's difficult to communicate that stuff. Um, it's difficult in terms of the amount of overlap that uh, that, that teams have and in, in, in what kind of discussions happen. And it's different from it's difficult from a career growth standpoint because they the other team always feels entirely subordinate to the team um, that's in one location, and so one thing we did different um, with and it was a little bit of an experiment on my part, uh, but 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 I feel like it worked really well. Um, starting with ConveyIQ is that we hired a lot of leadership uh, in survey with our team there, and we have the senior architecture, we have the senior people management, our head of DevOps. Um, is there that that was able to um, to help the team there feel like that they had a critical role in the organization and they had the representation um, that they needed at, at all levels. It allowed for the easier communication uh, on the team. It allowed for um, those that were decision makers to be you know hand in hand with with the team that was actually implementing and developing. Um, my role in that sense, you know, became more of a facilitator of ensuring that we're meeting the standards that we're having, that I'm setting the, you know, the right objectives and goals of what we need to achieve, and that we have the resources uh, aligned and assigned to achieve those, and to coordinate with the rest of the organizations, coordinating with product, coordinating with customer success. So, you know, in some ways, it, it, it required me to adapt my role and function um, to what the organization needed. But I feel like overall that worked extraordinarily well, and I yeah. I would go so far as to say most organizations um, that I've seen I've been with would benefit from a model like this, where um, that you know that you're distributing the decision making and you're empowering those that are uh, in other locations to be decision makers, uh, to be work to be involved from the ground up all the way through. So our team, um, you know, that's, an, that's another thing we did is our team, uh, distributed teams are, are engaged throughout the process. They're not, they're not handed specifications later in order to build. The QA uh, engineering operations teams are engaged day one from as soon as product decides something is worth, worth building, uh, they get engaged, engaged from that point. And um, I think that's, that's made for an overall uh, improved team uh, and, and in a very highly, highly engaged you know, team and, and I think obviously executing uh, very well. The, um, you know, so, so from, from, a, from a management style thing, I think being, t you know, being able to um, you know, step back, being able to empower teams, give them the autonomy they need uh, is important. But I also think then the, the ability to see, uh, you, have, you have to have the experience necessary to know when things aren't going right and identify the red flags because then you do need to jump in. Um, and if, if you don't have that experience, obviously things can, can sort of you know, get out of control or, or uh, the wheels can start falling off before you realize it, it's gonna happen. Uh, and by that, it's, it's much harder to recover.
So knowing those things, knowing how to identify, and knowing when you need to engage and when you need to step back are all are important skills as well. So maybe a parallel question to this. Was there a particular reason for you to um, allocate certain functions of the tech team into certain locations? In other words, you mentioned some of the design work is in New York um, uh, and some of the data work is in uh, Silicon Valley and then Serbia is on the uh, you know, uh, backend, DevOps, etc. So was there a particular reason you, you chose this approach or were there some um, triggers for you to decide in this way? There were definitely deliberate um, you know, decisions on most of those things. Uh, I'll start with sometimes you know, you're you know, part of adapting, part of management, part of understanding, you, you deal with what you have. Uh, you know, cer- certain people obviously can have strengths and weaknesses that are in your organization. Um, you may adapt things to them. Um, and you may make decisions on uh, how that, uh, you know, what location and how the process should be around that. It's important not to be too rigid uh, and, to identify, and to identify those kinds of things. And it can go for the, you know, in my case, the engineering and, and QA organization, but it can also go for other parts of the organization as well and how they operate in considerations there. Mm-hmm. So you have to adapt, adjust to things as, as the organization grows and the dynamics that you see necessary. In terms of things that were deliberate, um, you know, the product team, um, we, ha- we actually have a mixed product team. We do have product in uh, Serbia um, and we have in San Francisco and uh, New York as well. The decisions around that really go to the function those pe- the people play and um, how they operate and who they communicate with. And in the case of, of product onshore um, or with the teams here, you know, product team needs to spend time with customers. They need to be talking with customers. They need to be talking with the commercial side of the business, sales, customer success. It certainly facilitates things much easier um, when you're in the same office or same time zone, uh, and you can get get on the phone and, and talk with people, you know, customers, and um, even go visit them on site. Um, I think that's necessary for a, a lot of uh, product functions. As I mentioned, not entirely. I mean, we, we mixed it up and found ways to make it work with those in Serbia that later wanted to become on the product team and they uh, have succeeded quite well in that role and we've, we've accommodated the needs there. But I, I don't think we could have a team entirely there um, yeah. in this case yeah. because of you know, different, different aspects and dynamics within the organization. So um, design is another one, again, uh, that we decided to be here. Uh, we, we decided that you know, based, again, similar things is, is interaction with the product, product and design, spend a lot of time with each other. Um, and spending time with the rest of the organization, we getting feedback, reviewing it. You know, that maybe that would be different in some organizations than ours. We 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 invited the input from sales and customer success and marketing. So uh, it's important to have the that communication and proximity. If if it was a different operation and in design uh, operate differently, maybe maybe that wouldn't be necessary. But in our case, is. Some of it, and this has been less in our case, but some of it also may be, depending on where, where your team is, it may be the access to talent. So that certainly played a role. Uh, Serbia is very strong in our case in, in terms of application architects, uh, so developers, architects, mm-hmm. uh, QA operations. Those are easy, easy or uh, at least there, there, there is uh, enough of the people in the market that define people. I, I was going to say easy, but we're, you know, it's never easy for engineers, um, yeah. but uh, but certainly you know you can have access to that talent in that market. There is a lot less availability of talent in other disciplines. Um, 
So design, product management, data science, it's harder to find uh, uh, people with those, that knowledge base uh, in those markets. And so it certainly was a factor in, in, decision, in decision making. And I think anyone would find that depending on where you are. It's, it, you know, there's a lot more prevalence in Silicon Valley of, of data scientists and machine learning experts than just about anywhere else in the world. So yeah. in, if you're looking for that, that may be where you need to be. Um, if, if uh, you know, so, so it just, you know, the, I'd say in summary, it depends on who, who do people need to talk, what are the roles, who are the people there or that they'd be engaging with and their style? What is the process of the organization? What, what is the availability of talent? How, what are the communication channels and the flow, flow of communication? Um, and, you know, how do you see that playing out in terms of your decision on where to locate people uh, in, in, on your teams um, overall? Yeah. It's interesting because I think uh, we have seen over the last few years, um, or over the last 10 years, I would say, an increase in um, uh, the talent, technology talent market in our neck of the woods in Central and Eastern Europe but also the market has become more competitive and um, talent, finding talent is maybe, uh, uh, as you said, you know, uh, is faster, but still uh, there's more growing competition uh, from all the technology companies in, in the market. So in your experience, um, when you're hiring for a, a distributed tech team, uh, what are some challenges when it comes to hiring people for different departments, different office locations, um, uh, I know you're still involved in most of the hiring decisions or, or all of them in the technology side, qualifying them, sourcing candidates. Uh, obviously, Antelo has a bunch of tools and solutions to help you with this. But uh, how do you see that uh, when it comes to hiring and growing a distributed team? Is it uh, a challenging task? Uh, is it more difficult uh, com compared to a single office, single location setup? Um, you have to juggle different balls, uh, you know, uh, different languages, uh, different hiring practices. Uh, how do you deal with all of that? That's uh, re really interesting thoughts there, and how because I, I think you know part of it. Obviously, you want to look at first and foremost languages. We we speak English as an organization. Um, that's the expectation across communication. Where you form a distributed team, one factor would be obviously what's what's the main language that you expect. Uh, to communicate because you have to assume everyone's going to be communicating with everyone. Um, and, and so what, you know, what is that, uh, that basis and, and is that language spoken by that population in Serbia, in our case, just about everyone in Serbia, certainly those that are uh, in the technology speak English and, and as well as Serbian. Now within the office, they pretty much speak Serbian to each other. And that's, that's completely fine. Um, and I think most you find in most countries, people are going to speak their native language within, you know, mm -hmm. to each other. Um, but you do want to, to set the basis, you know, establish the expectations from everyone about how communication is going to happen. So that's, that's one aspect of things. I think for in our case, um, one of, one of the challenges is, is brand recognition. I think you're going to have an easier time if you're a bigger organization, you're well known, you have more of a brand, um, in order and I think that's that's the case anywhere uh, in the world. Um, it's going to be easier to attract talent. So what you have to focus on are the things that that matter to people, especially in those markets. In Serbia, we found that um, we have we've been very um, we have high expectations about the people we bring in. We, we've been very discriminatory about the level of talent that comes into the organization. We 
we reject a lot of applicants that come in. That can be painful sometimes for me when we need to get we know we we need to hire. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of pushback from the team there in terms of who we hire. And I'm always like trying to to get people in to build things. Um, they want to make sure they're working with other A players. Uh, in the end, I would say the importance of getting strong people is paramount. Um, they they win, you know, even though I'm trying to get people in, um, getting the talent has been important because what that has established now is not only do we reap the benefits of that later on, but now when we're trying to hire other talent, other talent sees that as well. So when people come to interview, they can recognize this is a really strong team. And we've started to develop, we're starting to get enough size and there's enough communication that we've started to develop a reputation in the market as being really strong with the people that we have. Um, and people have commented on that from the outside about the strength mm -hmm. of the team. And those, so we're, we're, those dividends are paying off and by not, by not getting too excited early on and bringing, and bringing on people too quickly, um, we've been able to establish in the market and build that reputation. And I think that would be important for any team, no matter where they are uh, in terms of, of attracting talent. And I think, you know, you do have to look at you know, the relevancy of what you're building and how that aligns with, with the skill set of the market um, and what kind of people you're going to be able to attract and, and bring in. And you may have to do things, you know, advertise and, and get out there and engage Gauge people in the market in order to attract that talent and get the right people into the organization. Um, one of the things I want to also ask you is, um, you know, when it comes to um, having a distributed team, uh, some investors are uh, quite pro uh, about this topic. They like it. They have worked with it. Um, even some of them, are, as actually operators, have experience, uh, first-hand experience on this. And then some others are quite nervous about it because um, things get quite complex. Uh, there are some discussions that product development velocity suffers when you have uh, complexity in distributed teams. So I think there's a, both sides of the table, uh, there's a debate about this, you know, as a, as a startup or a technology scale up, what level of um, distributed teams is the right level, right? Do you need to have five offices with different uh, functions or do you have two distributed offices or you just start off with one and then expand? So. Antelo has and Come IQ has raised, uh, you know, capital from the likes of Shasta, Battery, 3TS, and some others. Uh, what do you think, uh, you know, VCs think about when they look at a, a distributed team setup? Uh, what has been your experience? Because uh, some view it as a risk to a certain extent. Some think it's a, um, you know, for obvious benefits and cost advantages, it's a great uh, model. But what do you think uh, is the right mixture? Uh, when it comes to having a distributed team? I've heard both sides of that, and I've heard, I've heard it from our investors um, on both sides, and, and, and they're right. And I think it depends on your experience in different organizations and obviously different companies they've invested in or participated in um, to see it work and, it, and not work. And, and I, I've seen both. Um, mm -hmm. In a past life, I, I did uh, consulting and uh, was with different companies that it succeeded and didn't succeed. And, and part of those lessons learned are, are what I brought brought to the uh, table with Intello. And I would say that if, um, you know, some of the things I've talked about within this, this podcast play and, and the things that that would lead an investor to be wary of it or, or be, um, you know, concern, have concerns about are certainly if they've had past experiences with, with communication, um, if they've seen uh, you know, infighting. Uh, you know, we, mm -hmm. we had a case, I've seen this a lot where 
uh, and I mentioned the, the onshore team um, feels, uh, to be honest, superior than, than offshore or remote location. You know, that, that's a sure sign of problems <laughs> if that occurs. Um, and one, uh, and then obviously VCs that, 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 and investors that have liked that have seen the success of it. This have seen um, the cost reduction. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there, I think you can make, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. And so I think, I think it can work really well. Um, if you understand the organization dynamic, if you form the team right, uh, and other locations, um, and you, you make sure that that team is empowered, treated equally as part of the organization. I think it really works really well. In fact, uh, as I even made the case earlier, I think you can actually get higher performance if you do it right. Um, mm-hmm. then you may be with some onshore teams, again, depending on the function and, and how the team operates. You know, if, if you have a team that really needs heavy engagement, with customers that uh, have the engagement with the rest of the team, you may need everyone in the same office. You may have no choice. Um, if you need, uh, a t- if you have a team that needs to be very focused on, on the product, the future of the organization and how it's built, there are advantages to having uh, a remote team, or whether it's distributed, um, offshore, whatever model you choose, because they get isolated, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, and, and segregated from maybe some of the other conversations in the organization, and they can perform better because of that. So that's all depending on, you know, again, the organization, what, it, what the objectives are, what it's trying to achieve, the purpose, how the dynamic against, uh, versus, other people, versus other parts of the organization and what they need. Um, and you certainly can get a, an immense amount of value if you do this right uh, and structure, structure it the right, right way. So I, you know, I, I look at, at some of those and, and again, it all, it all comes down to if it, if it didn't work and someone's had a bad experience with it, it, it wasn't because it doesn't distributed development or offshoring doesn't work. It's, it's because it just didn't, it wasn't aligned with the model or, or right processes or approach were taken um, for what was needed. And that's why, that's why it didn't work. I do think, you know, with comp, there is complexity, but, but you can reduce that. You, some of that you have, have to accept and work within those, those needs. Having some, you know, the larger the organization, the more likely there's going to be multiple locations and the need for that depending on the history and why things have, have occurred there. I, I think if you, you want to reduce the amount of that. Uh, so I think the more you can have in a single location, the better, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because of proximity and the way of information flows. Um, so I certainly would say a small organization with multiple locations may have a problem and, and that may not work very well with them. Um, to, your, to your question specifically like that. Mm-hmm. And a much larger organization is going to have a challenge in one location because, you know, the rate of hire uh, that they're going to need or the distribution or the, or the flow of communication. So it all sort of depends on what works best for that particular organization. Yeah. So a few last questions, Andy. Um, uh, I think on the topic of this, um, uh, starting up with this model or scaling and then uh, having this distributed model, uh, if you were to give some advice to a fellow CTO or a founder who is just going through this decision-making process, um, assume that they have hit a certain scale and uh, they need to hire faster talent in different locations, uh, cost advantages, etc. How should they go about it? Where would you start? Uh, would it be a outsourcing relationship into a different market to test the market? Do you hire a senior person so they can hire and build an office elsewhere? But What's the starting point, in your opinion, and what are some best practices that come to your mind? In, in my opinion, having 
if you, if your product, if the core product of your company is, is an engineering product, um, and uh, as most you know, progressive tech companies that are in early stages probably are, uh, then it's pretty important to get a team that is, is, is considers themselves part of the organization, primarily obviously employees, and through that mean, that's pretty important. You, you, need a you need a team to be bought in to the future of this company. They see that every day they come to work, their investment is making the company better of where they work and what, what they do. And, and, and the time they're giving is, is going to reap benefits you know, in that. I feel very strongly with that. That may not always be practical in the early days uh, if you're trying to set up a team. So I would look at it, you know, if, if, if someone agrees with my statement about employees is you have two ways of going about this. One, you can engage a partner um, that may be able to supply some early talent uh, with the expectation that that talent is eventually going to become employees or companies that, that service that or that agree day one that you're, you're bringing them on to get started and to ramp things up, but you're going to be hiring uh, in conjunction, maybe even with their help, uh, and that they will be replaced by uh, other people. That, that's one way of doing it. Um, and then I think the other way of doing it is to find a, a key leader in the location that you want to start, start a team um, or, or key set of leaders get them hired that that's going to require some early investment to find the right person hopefully someone that has you know that you can see that's done this before, that, that can do this or has even done it before um mm -hmm. get that person in place and then have them grow the team out from there um either one of those approaches um you know i, I think are viable what what i'm not as keen on is to hire a, a, an outside company to, to handle your development for you um especially on a long-term basis and utilize them as partners I, that's my experience. I'm sure a lot of people have succeeded and done well. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, if I was building an organization um, from the ground up um, and trying, you know, looking long-term where I wouldn't be, I, I would take that out. So last question. Um, I know you uh, share a lot of um, insights with your team uh, through blogs, articles, and uh, books. Um, just wanted to ask you, what, what things are you reading these days or what are you recommending to your uh, colleagues or peers in terms of, um, you know, when it comes to either distributed team management or building teams or growing tech teams or interviewing candidates? Uh, what are some things that you would like to share with the uh, listeners? Yeah, my, my biggest strategy for that is when I encounter a problem or something I haven't seen before or, or think, you know, may update, I, I, I look for um, and in terms of blogs, I don't have any like go-to blogs that I read every day, but, I, but I'm always searching for something. I do find there's a blog, um, a guy named Roman Pitchler. Uh, and if you're looking at like agile execution um, and uh, how, how, to op how to operate teams, development teams and product engineering across the board, the explanations he provides on his uh, blog are fantastic and I've used them a lot to help me articulate to others in the organization and sell them on ideas because he's very concise, very clear in terms of how he presents stuff. Uh, in terms of books, um, I, there's a few go-to books that I've, I've come back to again and again. Um, one book that I, I really like is a book called Create, Creative Inc. Um, it's about, it's from Ed Catmull, who is president of Pixar. Um, and he, he described how he built a creative organization and I found his explanation pl applies to, to a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be, you know, obviously an animation studio. Um, mm -hmm. But there's, there's key lessons in there in terms of how people interact and not 
you know, not providing sort of, uh, to, to allow everyone to contribute to ideas um, and how to think differently about the approaches, approaches you're gonna take. Um, and, and, and that one, you know, I've gone again and again to people to, to come back and, um, and reference. Uh, overall, I think, um, you know, th th those are probably the two things that come top to mind uh, when we talk about this answer uh, or this question. Um, right. And that I, I, I'd recommend people to, to look at. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Andy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again for the wonderful session and your valuable insights and your time. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll see each other either in New York or Silicon Valley or Serbia in the coming near future. <laughs> great. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Uh, so, a great session with Andy Schaefer, uh, CTO of Antelo. We talked about uh, uh, building, uh, managing, and growing distributed technology teams. He shared uh, very valuable insights with us about uh, building the right culture, having the right communication um, uh, style uh, with the team, and also empowering and uh, being inclusive about decision-making process in the different locations, and uh, also focusing on strengths of those locations in terms of talent pool and skill set. Uh, those were some uh, great insights from Andy. Uh, looking forward to our next episode uh, in, a, in a month's time. Um, in the meantime, uh, keep us posted about your questions or comments. We'd love to hear back from you. Um, and until next time, take care. <laughs>